When your baby is born, one of the first things everyone asks is how much does he weigh? While this is an important piece of information for your friends and family, it is also important for your support team, including your lactation consultant. But when your baby begins to lose weight those first few days, does this mean breastfeeding isn't going well or is something else affecting baby's weight on the scale? This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here. So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm your host, Kristen Stratton, certified birth doula, postpartum doula, and owner of In-Due Season Doula Services. If you haven't already, be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to our show through iTunes, so you automatically get new episodes when they're released. Here's Sunny with details on how you can get involved with newbies. All right. Hi, everybody. So first of all, I want to give you guys all some props because our listenership for newbies has increased pretty dramatically over the last couple months. So I don't like to question that. I just like to say, hey, thank you guys for listening to the show. That's awesome. Um, and with more and more people listening, um, we also are looking for you guys to get involved in the show because we believe this is your show and uh, you should be part of this. So you always have an opportunity to join our shows and be a parent on our show and contribute that way. And so the best way to do that is head over to our website at newmommymedia.com and you'll see some banners and stuff that promote the fact um, that we're always looking for parents to be part of our show. Click the banner. There's a quick online form that you can fill out. You can also join our closed Facebook group where we post all of our topics and our times. And we really want you to get involved. It's really easy. You can record straight from your home computer. And yeah, we're just trying to get more and more people involved with the show. So that's one way you can get involved. Another way is through our segments that we do on the show. And um, one of those segments is five-minute birth stories. <laughs> so if you have a new baby, your birth story is probably more fresh in your head, right? And we do want to hear those. And it doesn't just have to be the positive, oh, everything worked out exactly like I wanted it to. I mean, when does that actually happen anyway, right? But it can be a struggle kind of birth story um, and something that you came through in the end and something that's motivating and helpful for other parents out there that may be struggling with something. So if you have a birth story you would like to share, we call them five-minute birth stories because we like to tell them in five minutes or less. And yes, I know that can be a challenge because there's a lot of details there. But the best way to do that is head on over to our website. Again, it's newmommymedia.com. There's a gray banner on the side that says send voicemail. And we would actually like to hear you share your story. So that way, it's just it's just more special when you hear the mom telling her, her birth story of her baby. And so again, a couple of great ways to get involved with our show. And thanks so much for listening because the show is all about you guys. Let's meet the mamas joining our conversation today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your experience with today's topic. My name is Angie. I'm married with one daughter. She just turned one in March, and we had a, a hard time getting her to gain weight at first, and she actually lost a little bit of weight. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what the, the expert has to say about the topic. <laughs> Great. Well, welcome to the show. 
I'm Ruthie Slatham. I'm married. I have three children. Uh, my son is five. And then I have two daughters who are three and 10 months. I am primarily a lactation consultant. And I'm also a postpartum doula. And I do a number of other postpartum care uh, services. Uh, and I own Mama Ruthie. And I have varying experiences with breastfeeding. Weight gain has never been a big struggle for my babies, but I definitely can remember being on edge that my first baby was less than what he was born at um, as a first-time mommy. You know, and I was reassured that that was normal, but I can remember having that thought of, oh, he weighs less now than when he was born. That's kind of weird. So. <laughs> Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Sunny. And uh, I have four kiddos of my own. And I remember, let's see, well, first of all, I should say their ages. So my oldest is five, then I have a, a four-year-old, and then I have twins that are two and a half. And I think I experienced with all of them, I think I experienced just that concern like Ruthie was talking about. It's like, well, I'm not really sure. Like, that's kind of weird. They're losing weight. And you're all kind of obsessed about that initial birth weight. And then so to hear, like, once you, like, all my babies were born in a hospital. So once I left the hospital, I was kind of like, well, they weigh less now. And I really did have that 10% in my head a lot because I, I didn't want to have to do formula. And so I just felt like it was this weird challenge with my body. Like, can my body create enough colostrum to be able to support this? And what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks? And are they going to tell me at this first pediatrician appointment that I've got a supplement? So I, I did feel a lot of pressure. I will say, if, I think I felt a lot more pressure with the twins because I was having to provide more colostrum for them. And I was really like, come on, milk, come in, come in, come in, let's do this. Um, and it came in when it was supposed to, but it, again, there was still kind of that anxiety really of, um, you know, which I'm sure wasn't good for my milk supply um, of, you know, can, can we make this, you know, or is it going to drop below 10%? Well, hello, everyone. I'm Kristen. I'm your host. And like everyone, I have breastfed my babies. And with my first, uh, we actually ended up going to formula because I thought I wasn't making enough milk. So I'm really excited that we're doing this episode because I think it'll give mamas some relief and some hope and hopefully some uh, forgiveness of themselves. So I'm really excited. Welcome to the show, everybody. All right. So before we dive into our main topic today, we're going to talk about a news headline that I found. This is a positive headline. I, lo I love sharing good, positive stories. Uh, and it involves an airline. You guys may have heard of JetBlue in the past. So JetBlue has kind of turned this whole concept of babies crying on an airplane. It's kind of turned it on its head because, you know, when we have little kids, I think most parents are like cringing about the idea of even taking one baby on an airplane, right? You're just like, especially if you're a brand new parent, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I remember my husband and I were like, should we buy like Starbucks gift cards to give to people when this happens? Like, I don't know. Like we, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but before I had kids, I was one of those people that rolled my eyes every time a baby cried and I just didn't get it. But now that you're a parent, you're on the other side of the equation. And so JetBlue for one flight. So I have to, you know, kind of preface it with this. One flight, they actually said, they said to everyone, they said, okay, when you hear a baby cry, you're going to get 25% off your next JetBlue flight. Now, this particular article I'm looking at now, it says, okay, flight 213 from New York to Long Beach, 
California. So this is across the United States. You know, this is a long flight, right? So everyone's kind of on edge just in general because it's multiple hours, right? And so this article doesn't actually say if they got to uh, 100%, but I would imagine <laughs> that in, you know, a flight that long that people would hear babies cry more than four times. So I'm assuming everybody got a free flight out of this. And um, I'm not sure if it was kind of staged. It's kind of a marketing thing because there's certainly nothing that says that they're going to continue with this. And I'm sure they've got a lot of coverage of this. So who knows the ulterior motive here? But it was certainly a good thing for all of the parents. I'm sure all the parents on that flight with their their babies were like, oh, good. We don't have to worry about this. And it says in this article that whenever a baby cried, that everyone would actually cheer, which, come on, you don't get on flights, right? So wanted to see what you guys thought about this. Um, you know, is it just kind of a marketing move for JetBlue? Did they really have the right intentions with this? Does it really matter? Because people got free flights. So Kristen, what do you think? Oh, I love this. I think, well, it's brilliant marketing, first of all. Um, <laughs> right? And then secondly, it kind of reminds me of like when you go to a restaurant and, you know, at some places, if a waiter drops a plate and it breaks, they go, woo, you know, they cheer. Um, <laughs> I, I like that they were kind of embracing like, hey, this is an inevitability when you're flying on a plane with kids. They don't understand. Their ears hurt. They don't know how to pop them. They're confined in this tight little space. And let's face it, like adults aren't really happy on flights and we're <laughs> little tiny children who can't rationalize time or space or where they're going to be happy. <laughs> so I like that they're embracing the fact that, hey, we're all on this flight together. Let's just you know, help each other out rather than being the grumpy curmudgeon that just crumbles every time a baby is unhappy. So yeah, way to go, JetBlue. Yeah. Angie, what do you think as a mom that has a younger baby? What do you think if, if you went on a JetBlue flight and they're like, hey, every time a baby cries, 25% off? What do you think about that? Um, I, I would have liked to be on that flight, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you know, I've taken three flights with my baby so far, and each time it's, just, it's stressful because I think if she starts to cry, people will get angry, and so I'm constantly nursing her to keep her quiet. And so I think if, if JetBlue did this all the time, it would make me a little less stressed as the mom and maybe, you know, do the same thing for other moms too. Calm everyone down. <laughs> right. They might go bankrupt if they did this all the time. But I like the idea. I mean, I think marketing-wise, it could even work to say, hey, we're going to pick random flights. That way you don't even know. You don't know if you're going to get – I mean, I think that's actually – you know, JetBlue, if you're listening, you know, that's actually a really smart marketing move. Ruthie, what do you think? I'd be pinching my baby. To, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> free flights for everybody. No, <laughs> I think it's nice. I do think that, it, yeah, I think it could be a nice thing. I like the, you know, randomized thing of, oh, you know, you're one of our three flights this month that if our babies are upset, you do this. I think in the long run, I, I can't imagine from a business point of view that that's going to be good for them purely monetarily. But having some little thing of, free wine for everybody who has, you know, right. if we have a baby crying for a certain amount of time or I don't know. Right. But yeah. I think that the the gesture is nice. Free wine for the parents. We <laughs> <laughs> right. have to deal with the baby crying. Yeah. <laughs> right. I like the idea. So. Yeah. 
I like the idea of some sort of perk. I mean, I realize the free flight thing can be, uh, you know, pretty costly, but I don't even know what they give away free now. Maybe like free Wi-Fi, free something, you know, whatever movies that they're playing that, you know, they charge for or whatever. So just some ideas out there. We'll go ahead and we'll post a link. If you guys haven't seen it, we'll post it to our Facebook page so you can check it out. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. Made with Tencel, it's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Today on Newbies, we are continuing our series on breastfeeding your baby. Our expert is clinical lactation specialist, postpartum doula, and owner of Mama Ruthie in San Diego, California, Ruthie Slatham. Thank you for joining us, Ruthie, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be your expert this time. <laughs> yeah, Ruthie has been on our show as a panelist, so it's nice to be on the other side of the table, huh? <laughs> a little unnerving, but it'll be fun. So, Ruthie... Please explain why birth weight and breastfeeding are related. It's definitely related. Uh, it's that really that first marker that care providers uh, are using to monitor weight gain. It is normal for babies to lose some weight after birth. Uh, it's expected. Every baby loses weight after birth. It's just a matter of how much weight is lost and when does it become a concern. Uh, day four is usually the lowest weight for any baby, and it tends to coincide with that period right before mom's mature milk comes in. It is frustrating as a lactation consultant to hear, oh, my milk didn't come in until day, you know, five or six, and, you know, my baby was starving, and so I had to give formula, and it's, um, there was, you know, we, we already have milk. Our body's in the third trimester are already generating colostrum, which is a milk. It is your baby's perfect first food. So there is that misconception with the term milk coming in, where it's like, well, your mature milk, you know, which has, you know, there's more volumes of it. And it's, you know, what sustains an older baby. But when your baby is born, their stomach is tiny. It only holds uh, about five milliliters or a little bit more than five milliliters in the first couple of days. So your baby only needs minute amounts of milk. And I encourage new moms or expectant moms to take one of those little syringes that you use for medicine and do five milliliters and squirt that into a bottle that you would pump into and see how much milk your baby actually needs when they're brand, brand new. And then by the time they're 10 days old, it's about the size of a ping pong ball. And that's an ounce and a half-ish. So your baby, um, you know, that frustration is, my baby was nursing constantly. And I just felt like they were starving. And, you know, all they wanted to do was nurse. And it's like, well, they need that. They need smaller, more frequent feedings in that first week because their stomach can only hold so much. Um, and that, again, is very much normal. And then as far as like birth weight very specifically is concerned, they do like your baby's birth weight to be back up by two weeks. That's kind of the standard. And a lot of pediatricians will inadvertently panic moms where it's like, oh, my baby's two week old and they're not back up to birth weight yet. 
Um, but there's a lot of circumstances surrounding a baby's birth that may lead to inflated birth weight. And you really have until three weeks before it's a, a major concern. And there's all kinds of different reasons why that may or may not happen. So we always hear about this 10%. So what is significant about losing 10% or more of baby's birth weight when evaluating the breastfeeding relationship with mom? So when I'm evaluating a breastfeeding relationship as a lactation consultant and we're looking at weights, I can you know sit down and, and do the math and we can look. And it's, again, a guideline up until 10%. There's not necessarily something wrong, but after you kind of tip over that 10%, it does become more serious um, as far as addressing what's going on. It could be, you know, the baby is just not nursing frequently enough. It could be uh, the baby is not transferring well. So even though they only need, you know, like I said, five milliliters in a feeding, they, for, you know, numerous reasons, maybe are not getting that. But it's, you know, it also depends on the size of the baby. If you have a smaller baby, them losing, you know, half a pound is going to be a bigger deal than if it's, you know, like an eight or a nine pound baby. So, sorry. I'm so sorry. My chicken was doing something really weird outside my window and it threw me completely off. I am so sorry. (laughs) I love that you have a chicken. Well, her, her name is Kevin. So my brain is like, what is Kevin doing? So sorry. <laughs> and she's a ridiculous looking chicken. She has this poof on top of her head. So I am oh, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> that was used by the chicken. Even the chicken. <laughs> what was I saying? Yeah. So we're uh, 10% weight loss. <laughs> so after day four, infants really should start gaining weight again. And yes. So Ruthie, what are some of the anatomical issues which can cause weight loss in those first few days? That's such a loaded question. Um, (laughs) I know I was like, oh, mean old Kristen coming up with these questions. (laughs) (laughs) Because anatomical issues, true anatomical issues that lead to an extremely poor or even no breastfeeding relationship are extremely rare. Most issues that are leading to infant weight loss are going to be mismanagement of the breastfeeding relationship, and usually that's the latch. So there are anatomical issues that can create challenges with a latch. I'm sure every mom has heard about tongue tie or lip tie, and not to discount that that can truly be an issue and a genuine challenge for many, many people, um, many moms that are dealing with a, a breastfeeding infant. It's overblamed for being the, re- the reason. I personally have had two, uh, both my girls had uh, lip tie and tongue tie issues. And my, uh, my older daughter, we did not do any kind of like surgical address. We didn't do the phrenectomy, the clipping the tie at all. And I was absolutely able to manage her latch uh, with some tricks from, I had a friend who was a a lactation consultant. I was not a lactation consultant at that point. And it was actually through the course of me taking my classes that I figured out that she had a lip tie. It was pretty serious too. Uh, So it can be an issue, but I, you know, you put it up on a Facebook mom group 
And everybody's first question is, have you been checked for lip tie? Have you been checked for lip tie? Have you been checked for tongue tie? And again, it absolutely can be the cause, but you really need to go and see um, a lactation consultant before you can really blame that. Because if everybody lips up their lip, you're going to have a frenulum. Everybody has one. And even if a baby has a pretty obvious frenulum, it's not necessarily going to impact breastfeeding. It can, but how is the range of motion? How is the baby's lip position during latch? You know, there's, there's so many more factors into going into it than the fact that you can actually see a frenulum, um, whether that's on the lip or underneath the tongue. And then, you know, that is so manageable most of the time if it's caught early on. It's definitely something to be aware of. But I wouldn't look into it or dwell on it unless there's a reason to. I would address the baby's latch first before you jump to blaming their, their tongue or their lip. And then, the you know, a palate can also be an issue if you have a baby that has a high palate. And that tends to go hand in hand with a lip tie or a tongue tie. They're both midline issues. And that impacts where the nipple uh, hits the palate when you're breastfeeding and it can cause it, it can be really painful. So again, there are tips and tricks with working with a lactation consultant to help moms address that if it is an issue. And then moms too can have, you know, sometimes nipples can cause issues. If you have a mom that has flat or inverted nipples, it can cause, you know, it can make it a little harder. But babies have been breastfeeding for hundreds, thousands of years, obviously. And, you know, a baby doesn't know that that nipple isn't, you know, quote unquote, perfect. And most nipples, absolutely, a baby can can nurse off of. Um, they just might need a little more help because the nipple is not hitting their palate to trigger their suck reflex correctly. But, you know, we're really blessed. We live in a time where we do have tools like Um, We do have nipple shields, which I, you know, urge extreme caution with. They definitely have their place and they can be a fabulous tool. But, you know, there are ways to help moms. You know, if nipples are not, quote unquote, clinically ideal, that's another thing. And then there's things like insufficient glandular tissue. And again, you know, that's really hard for a mom to say because you can have a mom who has small breasts, but that doesn't have anything to do with her milk production. I've worked with plenty of moms who are like an A or a B, you know, smaller breast, but they have these extremely happy, chunky babies, and they're making milk that's basically cream. So it's not an indicator that a mom is going to um, have a hard time breastfeeding. And on the other side of that coin, you can have a woman who has, you know, voluptuous breasts, she's got very full cups, but the actual glandular tissue that she has is not adequate. She has plenty of fatty tissue. But um, so just by looking at a breast, you can be like, oh, well, you should be able to produce milk. But sometimes that's not the case. And then surgeries too. If you have a mom that had a breast reduction surgery in particular, she's going to have a very hard time breastfeeding. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many things that could cause issues, but it's really hard to be like, these are the things. And because I don't want a mom to set herself up before she even has her baby to think that she's going to have an issue because her nipples are not perfect or, you know, she has small breasts. 
You know, one thing I was going to say is if you guys are listening and you're like, oh, I have a lot more questions about breastfeeding. I didn't say this off the top of the show, but we have a whole podcast dedicated to breastfeeding and pumping. It's called The Boob Group. So we just wanted to touch on this a little bit today. And like Ruthie said, we don't want to daunt anyone with anything, you know, potential problems and all that kind of stuff. But if you have specific questions, first of all, if you have access to a lactation consultant, that's fantastic. But I also encourage you to check out our podcast for The Boob Group because there we have like over 100 60 episodes um, dedicated to everything breastfeeding and pumping. So just want to put in a little plug for that. All right. So to our parents, do you recall what your baby's birth weight was and what weight gain concerns you experienced in the hospital or if you birthed outside a hospital, what those first few days were like? So um, I birthed in a hospital and According to the lactation consultant, I was producing colostrum just fine. She was really happy <laughs> with how much I was producing, but uh, it took a few days for my milk to come in, and I think what Ruthie was saying earlier that moms would get really stressed out those first few days because their child is just nursing and nursing. That's what was happening with me. I didn't feel like I was giving her enough. She was. It seemed like she was always hungry, always nursing, and I was in pain, and she was always crying. Um, and so she she was born at seven pounds twelve and a half ounces, and by the time we went in for her first uh, check with the pediatrician, she had dropped down to six pounds eight ounces. Uh, she had jaundice, and all babies are born with jaundice, but this got worse. You could tell she was just getting more and more yellow. Uh, so he gave us, the, the pediatrician gave us some samples of formula and said, you know, until your milk comes in, you're just going to have to to supplement. And the funniest thing about that was we left the pediatrician's office, we go to CVS, we get the formula, the bottles, get everything set up, we get back home, and as my husband is making the formula bottle, my milk lets down. I'm on the couch. I'm screaming like, what do, what do I do? <laughs> you got the formula ready. I have milk ready. Do I, do I feed her? Do we use the formula? What do we do? But uh, we, we ended up uh, supplementing anyway just to get her back to that weight. But that was, that was a scary time. I didn't know if I was producing enough or if she was going to starve to death. Well, and jaundice is its own set of challenges. There are you know exceptions that are made a lot of times with supplementing with, with jaundice. I can talk a little bit about what happened with my twins. So my twins were, they were born as preemies, but they weren't really tiny preemies. They were, they were 35 weekers and they were both about five and a half pounds. So pretty good size actually. Yeah. And they didn't need the NICU or anything like that, but they were my smallest babies I'd ever had. My, my first son was over nine pounds and then my second son was about seven and a half. He was pretty average. But I remember with the girl, we had the jaundice thing kind of going on with the girls too and you know some, some other issues that we were working through and i remember because we were dealing with less weight with them that like every ounce really counted like i was i remember being more concerned about that because they didn't weigh as much right so you don't have as much flexibility with how much weight they can lose. And I know that they had to be like over four and a half pounds before they would even leave the hospital. And they were, I mean, I can't remember exact numbers because about two and a half years ago now, but I do remember them being, you know, big enough so that they could leave the hospital. But then, like I said, they need to go 
see the pediatrician like right away. I think it was like the next day we had to take him in and it was just a little nerve wracking. But I have to say, I have to kind of pat myself on the back because my colostrum was kind of coming in full force in the hospital. And I went in, you know, in giving birth to my babies thinking, oh my gosh, I really, you know, I need to hand express. I need to do all this kind of stuff. I got to get this supply up because I knew how important those first few days were going to be. And like I said, I really wanted to, you know, try to just feed my baby's breast milk as much as possible. And so I remember, I'll never forget this. I remember some lactation consultants, it was more than one, and maybe there were some nurses there too, came into my room because I was in the hospital for about three days because it was a cesarean to have the babies. So these nurses were coming in and I don't know like how many, it must have been like, you know, one of those like little plastic cups that they usually put pills and stuff in. I think it like, the, the measurements, I think milliliters, I don't know. But I was able to like fill those things up with colostrum for the twins. And this was within a day or so after the babies being born. I remember they were like patting me on the back going, oh my gosh, look at your colostrum. This is amazing. And I was like, oh no, I was so excited because I was like, thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy, (laughs) for doing what I wanted you to do. So yeah, definitely can happen. But yeah, the and that's really all they needed. And so thankfully, we didn't need to supplement. I had to exclusively pump in the beginning because their latch wasn't as good. But but again, it was breast milk and it's, you know, what I wanted. When we come back, we will continue our discussion about early newborn weight loss and breastfeeding. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show. We are talking with clinical lactation specialist, Ruthie Slatham. Ruthie, can medications or fluids that a mother receives in labor or in preparation for a cesarean birth affect baby's birth weight and therefore be perceived as weight loss later on? Absolutely. So the biggest culprit typically is IV. And women don't realize (laughs) when you get an IV, when we're in labor, if we like, let's say a mom has like a 12 hour labor and you go in and you're on an IV fluid for let's say eight hours, then that's eight hours of a lot of fluid in your body. So when, you know, a lot of moms will notice when they leave the hospital, they're kind of puffy. They got like some edema going on. And then over the next couple of days, it really goes down and they drop a ton of water weight. Well, the thing, same thing happens with our babies. So we have babies that, and especially if it was a long labor, I always ask a mom who has weight loss concerns, um, how long she was on an IV for. Um, And most of the time it was for several hours. And so when your baby is born, they also have a lot of water weight. So if you have a situation where your baby, it's over the first, you know, couple of days drops a lot of weight, it's like, okay, let's pay attention and make sure we're doing, you know, small frequent feedings. But if by day, you know, like I said, day four is usually the lowest. If after about day four, day five, they don't start to pick up their weight again, then it's like, okay, like, let's pay attention. Let's really push initiating feeding, making sure that we're pushing baby to eat enough. And then also, uh, you know, when we do anything like an epidural, it puts our bodies to sleep. So sometimes it can take our bodies an extra day or two to wake up. And this is especially true with cesarean mamas, um, because they're put under such heavy anesthesia, that it can really take them until, you know, it can be days, you know, six or seven until their mature milk comes in. So during that time, you really need to be on top of feeding your baby every two hours. And so those are the two, the two biggest things that can really cause issues with weight gain in particular. 
And I'm assuming that means that all those excess fluids can also affect mom's breast shape if she's retaining all that extra fluid that that may also affect latch as well. Absolutely. And that was personally my biggest uh, speed bump with my first baby was, you know, day three, my mature milk came in and all of a sudden the bed is full of boobs and it's, I didn't know what to do. I had this screaming baby and he was hungry and I couldn't get him to latch because my breasts were too tight and I didn't have a pump at that point. Uh, So, you know, just you know, called my mom in tears and, okay, I'll go take a hot shower and just try to massage out as much as I can. So yeah, breast edema, that was the one thing that I think I wish I I would have been warned about because I had a hospital birth with him was, hey, you were on an IV. Do not be shocked when you wake up and each one of your boobs is the size of your head because it might happen. And so just knowing enough to to hand express enough to get it to where my breast was soft enough for my baby to latch. Because if it feels like the back of your hand, your baby can't latch on that. Your breast should really feel more like your forearm, a little bit softer, so that your baby can actually get their little lips to create a seal. Yeah. And you know what you were sharing, Ruthie? I totally remember that when your my milk came in, I had a C-section with my first. And so I, of course, was full of fluid from IV. And then also uh, my milk came in actually pretty quickly within probably 48 hours, considering I had a C-section. But I didn't realize that that's what it was because like a lot of first-time moms, I, you know, I read what to expect when you're expecting. And I thought I knew everything about birth and breastfeeding and I didn't. (laughs) And so my milk came in, my boobs were hard as rocks. I was in pain. Um, My daughter also had an upper lip tie and I didn't know what that was or how to fix that or deal with that. My husband was stationed at a naval or a military base in the naval hospital there. And she says, oh, well, she sent me help with a nipple shield. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So I pumped some milk and I filled in an entire bottle of milk. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to feed her. I guess I'll just pump and, you know, give her a bottle because obviously there's something wrong with my ability to breastfeed. And then of course, because I didn't know how to pump properly, my milk supply quickly dwindled and we ended up supplementing with formula, which I kicked myself for many, many years over until I had my boys who I successfully breastfed for a long time. And stress, I didn't realize stress was such a component to milk supply and, you know, getting baby to gain weight those first few days and weeks because my husband was deploying four weeks after I had my baby. So I just had a C-section. My husband was leaving. We were in the process of moving. I didn't know how to breastfeed properly. So I thought it was me. So all the moms listening out there, just know that, you know, be, be gentle, be kind with yourself because there's so many things that just affect our milk supply. And when someone comes up to you like they did to me and said, oh, well, your baby dropped to 11% of their birth weight. They lost that. So, you know, I just, maybe breastfeeding is just not right for you. Uh, you know, just forgive yourself. It's not always your fault. And sometimes we're just doing the best we can with the information we have at the time. And, you know, we just love our babies and that's all we can do. So Ruthie, to that point, for the parents who choose to or who need to use formula, what can they do to facilitate a healing breastfeeding or bonding relationship while they work on the latch? There are alternatives. So if, uh, if uh, let's say your pediatrician is, you know, your baby is, let's say five days old and 
they're not gaining weight as fast as the pediatrician would like. Or, you know, there is something like jaundice going on, which can, you know, make a baby really sleepy, which following their cues is not good because they won't wake up. So you need to you know, create your own. But, you know, so if, if someone is saying, Hey, weight is, is, is a concern, we should consider supplementing be like, okay, well, can I increase my feedings? Can I pump in between my feedings and supplement with breast milk? So if your supply is not an issue, that is a really great option. And then you can supplement the breast with this really handy dandy little tube called a supplemental nursing system in SNS which is basically like a straw. So you can put your baby to your breast and then slip this little tube in between their lips and put the other end in a bottle. And then you can guarantee that they're getting a a certain amount of calories being like, okay, well, I know they at least got 15 milliliters or, you know, depending on the age. And I know they at least got an ounce. So that can be really great. And you can also use that same thing with formula. If your supply is an issue Um, And there are instances where formula is completely appropriate, and you can use a supplemental nursing system with that too while you work on baby's latch and get it up to date. Lactations consultants will prefer to use a bottle because there is a genuine weight concern, and that is the quickest way to get calories into a baby. They do have their place, but it really should be, you know, used with caution and working with a, a lactation consultant. And it's, you know, it's really great if you're having concerns with breastfeeding and your pediatrician is is making suggestions that you're not happy about. Say, can I be referred to a lactation consultant? Because pediatricians, you know, they have to know so much about everything that a lot of times they're not as current on breastfeeding as they should be. And that's, you know, there's so much that they need to know. So asking for a specialist um, if you're having challenges with that is is really important to do. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Ruthie, and our wonderful parents for joining us today in our discussion about early newborn weight loss and breastfeeding. And for our Newbies Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show as Ruthie will discuss about the colostrum and how it is designed to sustain your baby. For more information about the Newbies Club, please visit our website at newmommymedia.com. So before we wrap up our show today, we have a baby oops. You guys know what baby oops is if you listen to newbies. So this is our segment where we share our funny stories about caring for our babies. So funny things perhaps that our babies did or, you know, that we did as parents. And we look back and we're like, what were we thinking? Okay, so one of our listeners, Becky, sent this in. And this is pretty funny. I thought since we were talking about feeding today and everything, uh, Becky, I think, was a first-time mom when this happened to her. So I think we can all, you know, think back to when we were very, you know, first-time moms with our first babies and what we knew back then probably wasn't as much as we know now, right? So Becky writes, I remember the first night in the hospital with my dear son. He woke up in the middle of the night because he was hungry. I had no clue. I had changed him. I gave him a pacifier. It didn't work. I was sleepy and I wanted to go back to sleep. I tried to rock the carrier. They rolled him in just to soothe him. That didn't work. A nurse had to come in and tell me that he was hungry (laughs) and I needed to nurse him. LOL. She said, I was 20. I was never told that they wake up at all hours to feed throughout the night. (laughs) 
So I just thought that was kind of funny because we're thinking as moms, first of all, we're sleep deprived, right? And we're thinking, okay, I changed the diaper. Like, you know, I, I've cuddled with my baby. I've done all this kind of stuff. And then we forget, oh yeah, they, they kind of need to eat and, you know, and keep up that 10% of body weight, right? So Becky, thanks so much for sending this in and admitting your baby oops. We really do appreciate it. If you're listening and you're thinking, oh, I've got this funny story that I'd love to share, we would love to hear it. So you can go to our website at newmommymedia.com, click on the contact link, and you can email us. That's what Becky did. Or the way that I really like it, and I mentioned it earlier in the show, is still go to our website, but there's that gray banner on the side for send voicemail, and then you can share your story yourself, and we'll just include that in a future episode. So again, thanks, Becky, and hopefully we'll get more of these soon. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, the boob group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, and twin talks for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.